We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey guys, it's Monday, and that means I'm back with a quick programming note, because this is part one of not one, not two, not three, but four parts that you're about to get from the next Film School podcast, cap or no cap, the draft season. Uh, Drop the the, like Facebook, draft season, cap or no cap 6.0 draft season. Here in part one, John and Jeremy catch up for about 10 minutes before diving into a lengthy exploration of the NBA draft. We kind of set the lay of the land of what the Knicks usually look for and what they prefer and uh, some patterns that have developed in the draft picks that they select. Uh, There's a couple of uh, interesting stats that they bring out, like offensive box plus minus and the different players that they've selected and where they've ranked amongst the the box plus minus, the offensive box plus minus in college. Um, it's a good first part for you to, to get your feet wet with this very extensive episode. There's three other parts coming. So if you're listening to this, you're right on schedule. Part one, here we go. Cap or no cap, 6.0 draft season. Enjoy. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on uh, Monday, May 
23rd, as we as we cross the, the midnight barrier, for those of you who listen as immediately as this thing is posted, Jeremy Cohen, my co-host. Hello, first of all, how are you? Doing all right, John. Avoiding the heat as best I can. I know you are too. As, as best as we all can. We both have our ACs on. Uh, hopefully, it's not an impediment to your listening pleasure. We, we don't think that it is, but Andrew's not here, so he can't tell us to shut them off. So when the cat's away, um, the mice will play. Um, do you know what's a month from t- today when folks will be listening to this? I do indeed. It is the NBA draft. The NBA draft where, where dreams are made of. Mm. You know what they're not made of, Jeremy? The <laughs> lottery. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, we persevere, right? I was actually so offended. Not offended, but I was like, I think I, 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 we were on like so many different platforms. I don't know what it was. It was one of the comments in the in our Patreon watch along. Shout out to everybody who was there. Or one of the YouTube uh, comments. But someone was like, when we got 11, someone was like, Macri looks like his soul has been snatched from his chest or something like that. And I went back and rewatched the clip that Andrew posted. I thought I took it in stride. I thought it was fine. I was just like, you know, okay, it's 11. Yeah, it was math, you know, (laughs) like if you're telling me there's a 70, what, six, 77% chance of something happening. That's a pretty high number. Obviously, I was hoping, holding out for hope, but so was I. Didn't didn't fall to twelve. So something, something to silver lining. There's always some sort of silver lining, whether it's actually a legitimate one or just no. This was opium. Just, you know, listen. There was a like one in seven point five chance that we would fall to twelve, which was better odds than than us getting into the top four. Yep. So like it was a win. It was a small win. Right. Silver linings here in Nick's Nick's fandom. Um, Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, what it is. Uh, It feels like it would have been a nice, certainly a nice bonus, Um, whether it would have jumpstarted a process that we have been dancing around. I don't know, since we've been doing this podcast, uh, I mean, we'll never know, but uh, now we're, we're at 11 and we're going to talk about obviously the draft today. And that's going to be this cap or no cap. So I wanted to ask you actually, because I texted you about something that I wanted to discuss. Should we save that for the pod? Yes, we should save we that. We should. There's okay. There, I will let you know when we're all squared away to discuss it. There's okay. A good. Window for it. We will discuss it. Cause I have, is it a take? Do I have a take? Do I have a theory? What would you call it? I think it's a, a little bit of both. Well, it's something that's kind of been marinating in your brain. Oh, it's it, it has been marinating. <laughs> Probably ready for the grill. And then uh, we'll see if it's well done or if it's can, one of those rare takes that can, we just, you know. Can desperation be grilled? What do you what do you season desperation in? The salt tears? pepper? Yeah, there's salt and, and tears. You could do that. There's salt and tears. A little bit of cumin. Yeah, I, I, you know. I'm a big human guy. Who isn't? It's great. You got to season your meat. <laughs> you have to. You can't not do it. <laughs> you know what? I have nothing to add after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no like, I feel like we're at, last thing before we get into today's cap or no cap on the draft. I feel like there's usually more rumors at this point in the year, regard, like not specifically draft rumors, but just like rumors. I feel like there's been. The Levine stuff, which I, we don't really need to talk about the Levine stuff, right? He might, 
he, spoiler alert, he may be looking to, to, to move elsewhere where, uh, you know, uh, there is a potentially better, better hope for things in the future. Although if he goes to LA, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, yeah, but there's no other really like big like rumors or, or anything circulating in regards to like current players, like the Mitchell stuff kind of died down. Like there hasn't really been any Zion stuff. Like, you know, Dame seems to be happy staying put. We haven't heard anything on Beal. Are you surprised that there hasn't been more? Do you think it's coming and we're just like, it's a fallow period? It'll arrive. You know, there will be the time during the NBA finals when there are gaps in between games, especially if it's a shorter finals, whatever happens, there will be plenty of time where all these reports and rumors come to light. You know, I mean, the big winner from this past lottery was probably Mark Berman because now he gets to uh, write about all these different prospects. Whereas if the Knicks had gotten maybe the first pick, he would have had like six different prospects to talk about. And then maybe one or two examples of what the Knicks could do with it. And now it's just, you know, it's limitless what he can do. Um, But instead we're, I guess we've come full circle to talk about the practice facility, which uh, listen, I would love to talk about how these players commuting to MSG 41 times in the regular season is a huge deal. I've even been thinking about ways the Knicks could go about changing it. Um, for starters, helicopter? Well, not just a helicopter, right? You, okay, hear me out. I'm, are, I'm all ears. I got a few ideas. I just want to rattle them off. Please. You know how there really aren't that many blimps in the world? It's like a surprisingly low number of blimps. So you take two blimps. There are nearly right? enough blimps. You're there absolutely are. nailed. There it. should yes. be more blimps. You know, this is with the infrastructure that we have in this world. That's where we should go. So you get two blimps yeah. and then you tie a full length basketball court to the blimps and they fly around so that that way the Knicks can deal with elements that they would never be prepared for. So they're always prepared or you, you get like great. you get a boat. Right. Like um, a barge, maybe the, you know, an old ship, perhaps Uh, maybe not wooden, but like an intrepid type ship. Uh, It could even be the Staten Island Ferry that Pete Davidson and Colin Joe spot. You want to talk about adverse conditions as someone who rode that freaking boat mm -hmm. more times than I care to count. Adverse conditions aplenty. Yes. But see, practices on the ferry. You you have practices there. You have a whole workout equipment. It goes around the island of Manhattan, scenic. Everyone knows. Hey, there go the Knicks, and then it docks at Thirty Fourth Street or around there. You know, maybe where all the cruise ships are. And then there's a charter bus that takes them from there to uh, to Madison Square Garden. They should have to practice dribbling on the charter bus. I agree, hundred percent. Or you just uh, have the Knicks show up to Sunset Park where the Nets practice and just claim the court. And then when the Nets are like, this is our spot, the Knicks say, we don't see your name on it. And the Knicks have plastered, you know, their logos all over where the Nets logos are. And that's like, well, I guess we have to go to Westchester now. Um, you could build something on top of MSG. You could build it underground. I, really, there's so many ideas that are floating around here. I'm surprised we haven't heard more of them. But uh, oh, another one is we could take the facility in Terrytown and lift it. And move it one foot further south so that that way it's closer to MSG than it currently is. You know, what would be so fitting is if Leon Rose's first press conference in however long is in regards to the commuting time. 
I, I think that'd I think be great. That's the only, that is the only way at this yeah. point, Jeremy. It took to me 37 minutes to get here. I just want that to be, but there was, there was no traffic. It was very light, you know, might've been the time. Listen, I, everyone cares about the commute when it comes to their own jobs, but it's the sort of thing where they're also, if they're gym rats, then they're going to be staying in Westchester. And if they're staying in Westchester, they're going to be near Terrytown, and they're going to be spending a lot more of their time. I'm not saying it has nothing to do. Yeah, it'd probably be wise to have a practice facility in New York. But the idea as well that like the Knicks haven't gotten anyone because of the facility, let's look a little bit more inward. It's the fact that they have had so many executives and coaches and zero stability that that is the low-hanging fruit that we can pick here. So I just now, we can look inward first and then address the practice facility another time. I think the Knicks should go about being a better basketball team. And then people will stop worrying about such things as the commuting time. If they ever win a championship, which God willing in my lifetime, please Lord. Um, I would like some enterprising reporter to ask in the, whoever's on the dais after the, when they're holding the Larry O'Brien trophy, how, now sitting here, having reached this pinnacle, um, can you just reflect on how it, it, how amazing it was to overcome that arduous commute mm-hmm. day after day after day? Well, you know what they'll do if there's a championship or when there's a championship again, I guess we could say um, when? the parade will start in Terrytown and it will continue down the West Side Highway along the Hudson and then finally turn on to the Canyon of Heroes. <laughs> Listen, no, the, it might no, take three hours, <laughs> but so be it. They deserve it. It's the it's to account for all the time yes. that it would take to and from uh, with Terrytown and everything from one spot to the other. As long as the blimp is part of the parade. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do a cap or no cap. Uh, so as always, for those of you listening at home, um, we're going to make this as uh, all accessible for you as is humanly possible. But if you want to get the full experience. Head on over to the next film, next film school YouTube channel. Um, I could podcast uh, to uh, to get Jeremy's lovely PowerPoint presentation as well, which we're about to kick off right now. Yes, we are. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce us to the most glorious draft image we've ever had. This is the oh, 2003 wow. draft class with their incredible suits, just the pinnacle. I think we peaked fashion wise on this day. And I just, you know, that line about like, wish we could go back to the good old days. Like we knew that they were the good. Old, I'm butchering it, but no, 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 the no. Good old days till you're till they're gone. Whatever. That was this day. That was 2003. The 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 girth of the pants. Mm-hmm. See the buttons. The number of buttons gets the most attention. Look at the if again if you're not if you're really missing out. So we're looking at a picture of all of the lottery picks. I think these are the lottery picks, right? Or the guys who were in the green room, one of mm-hmm. the other green room. Yeah, um, yeah and the, the the green room. Oh, look, there's Mike Sweetney. Hi, Mike. Um, from the 2003 draft, which was LeBron, Mello, uh, Bosch, uh, Wade, um, and they just look stunning. Uh, who wins this one, Mello? No, who's that next to Mello? That's what I was just gonna say. Uh, I'm going to find it out. Uh, Whoever uh, is next to Mel, that is by far the greatest suit. A hundred percent pinstripe jacket down to the quads. Um, it's a big jacket. It's a lot of jacket. It looks like a raincoat that was repurposed into a suit or vice versa. A suit jacket that was repurposed into a raincoat. Actually, Kirk Heinrich looks like he's wearing the suit 
that like the gentleman to his left it, it should be wearing. Potentially, although Kurt Heinrich looks like he's going to a bar mitzvah. So like, I, don't I mean, know. you've been to more than me, so you would know. I would know. He, he just, yes, he looks like he's going to a bar mitzvah, but you know, the tan suits in the back, Chris Bosch, Love the rocking it, more of a beige, I guess. It's, um, it's a oh, glorious photo and a lot of blues, a lot of, a lot of grays. You know, and then LeBron, RJ, of course, and White. Of course, well, he had to, yeah, had to stand out. But like, think about RJ wearing a pink suit. And in comparison to just the sheer amount of color, we've grown. Or maybe we've receded. No, no, no. We've, for fashion. We, we, we've grown. Um, yes, it is draft season, though. Yes, it is. So now that we have uh, discussed an elite photo, why don't we go to the stats? So let's just talk about common themes for the Knicks in terms of their drafting. Right. So for starters, all six picks that the Knicks have made under this current administration are over the age of 20 years old. Now, does that mean that the Knicks will only take players who are 20 or above? I did not realize that. No. Does it mean that they have, like, if they had the opportunity to pick first overall in either draft classes, would, or I guess all three, would they only go towards someone because they're older? Of course not. It's just, it's a common theme. Maybe it continues, maybe it doesn't, but it seems like. They like players who are a little bit further along in the curve of their development. Whereas the last administration, it was, you know, I mean, I guess you could say even two administrations ago, uh, Frank Nielakina, who was very raw. Uh, Kevin Knox, who was all about potential. You know, these guys with super high ceilings, but their floor was maybe a bit more in question. Kristaps. Uh, yeah. Although, but Kristaps was a top four, you know. He was top eight, but like there was, don't forget, there was before that draft, it was like this you know, skinny Latvian kid who in theory is great, but like, you know, can he do it? Yes. The only thing I'm thinking is cat was a freshman as was D'Lo, Joel Okafor, or Jaleel Okafor, excuse me. Um, yeah. Porzingis, his might've been 19, 18. So I think the oldest guy really might've been Willie Cauley Stein. Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah. Um, Which there were rumors, but yeah, there were, but so, so that's just something to consider. They tend to like prospects who are a little bit older. Knicks have drafted four guards. And interestingly enough, they are all off the dribble threats. Um, offensive box plus minus. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's a stat that exists in NBA, in the NBA as well, but collegiately it's something that is of note and I will explain why, but okay. it's something to keep in mind. And then trading up versus trading down, you know, with the OB pick, they tried to trade up to five. They didn't do it. Uh, then they tried trading up for what seemed like Tyrese Maxey uh, at 21. They went to 23 by packaging 27 and 38. Didn't get to Maxey. Then went 23 to 25, picking up an extra second round pick. And then uh, traded the other second round pick that they had, the Pistons one, and traded out from there. Tried to trade up for um, Duarte. Then they stayed put, traded out. Then traded I was about down. to say, it really should be traded up, trading down, down, trading out. Right. It's, yeah. it's, you know, like they are what you would imagine for a 2K GM, which is a lot of fun if you're a fan of chaos, which I am, because why not? It's entertainment and the Knicks seem to do okay from it, but time will obviously tell. So that's kind of just where the Knicks have been. And I feel like with two drafts, we have a much better understanding of what the Knicks like, what they maybe don't like as much, and uh, some of the criteria, criteria they base their decisions on. Three, three quick things. One, that was Jarvis Hayes in the suit. Shout out to Jarvis Hayes. Um, number two, all the picks being older than 20, I, I think there is something there, but I think the thing that is there is that this regime 
likes the notion of drafting guys who are ready to potentially contribute sooner rather than later. Um, Jacobet, Jacob, Jacobitis. One day I will learn how to pronounce. I think it's Jacobitis. Jacobitis. I think the J, think the J might be silent. Jacobitis, like yogging. Yeah, it's like an interesting corollary to that, where it's like they could kick the can down the road. Um, so I guess maybe put him aside, although he he played and contributed this year, just not in the NBA. Um, and then the third thing is that I wonder, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out uh, in in a month. I wonder how much that would change if they felt there was somebody really, really special on the board. And like, again, a lot of fans last year wanted, whether it was uh, Keon Johnson or uh, Jalen Johnson. Uh, I'm trying to think of like someone else that was available in that, you know, if you want to go down like Sharif Cooper, Isaiah you know, Jackson. Yeah. Isaiah, like all these guys, I want like people are like, Oh, the Knicks don't care about long-term investment in terms of talent and like taking like the higher ceiling. I wonder if that philosophy would change if it was someone like a little bit higher caliber of bigger, bigger ceiling, um, but not quite ready yet. So those are my opening thoughts. Definitely possible. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show final review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. 
not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. I feel like we could then use that and kind of look at the offensive player roles that the Knicks have sort of tried to demonstrate to the best their abilities, right? And there could be more added to this, but I feel like this is sort of the direction we could look at, right? So, so player roles about, by position. By position, exactly. So when we're talking about a point guard, right? Um, the, it seems the biggest thing that the Knicks want is someone who slashes and drives. Um, ideally, they are a scorer. You know, they're a pull-up shooter. They can uh, play off the ball by catching and shooting, spotting up. Um, they make plays. They run pick and roll, and they kind of improvise when necessary. Obviously, not all of those can be attributed to a player like Alfred Payton. But I think the slashing portion of this goes to show why it is so key and why the Knicks reluctantly did bring him back in the first place, because he got to the rim. What he did at the rim different story. We don't have to talk about it, but there's a continued trend of let's get players to drive the lane and then we can kind of work from there Uh, at the the two, right? It's pull up shooting. uh, It's catch and shooting players who have high three point attempt rates and who are maybe more connectors. I think the reason why uh, Reggie Bullock and shout out to him for winning the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar award. Very cool honor. Well-deserved. A hundred percent and awesome causes that he has Um, uh, in terms of like, why he may not have been brought back was wasn't able to create a whole lot. Didn't really connect as much. The ball kind of ended up in his hands. And if it was an offensive possession, he'd be shooting it. And if you think about what Evan Fournier does, it's much more of like pull up from three. Uh, It's a little bit less than he's done in the past. He's more catch and shoot than he had really been in the last few years. Um, But he takes a lot of these threes and He's a good secondary um, playmaker. And so him kind of connecting to others, I think, is, is an important factor. And we should also note that, like, you know, the Knicks, I think, will... Let me take a step back. What we have seen from players, what they have seen from players, and this, I think, goes to draft picks, too, um, may be different from what the Knicks foresee a player being able to do. So we shouldn't just go by what a player has done already. For instance, you just, I, the reason I'm thinking of this is Fournier. Fournier's role changed a lot this year from then, mm-hmm. from when he was in Orlando, he did a lot more stuff inside the arc this season, he even spoke about it openly. You know, it's just about, look, if I'm behind the arc, I got to shoot it. If I have to put the ball on the floor, I put the ball on the floor, make the next, you know, make the rim read or whatever. So um, it's more about potential potentially uh, than, than what they've done already. Exactly. And then the three, you know, you have scoring, you've slashing, playmaking uh, and catch and shoot. I mean, really what RJ does is a lot of those things. I I had originally thought that, and RJ has said he wants to work on pull-up shooting. Maybe Cam Reddish is doing the same, but I thought that might be a more key attribute at the three for Knicks players. And now I'm starting to think, uh, it could just be the backcourt where that's really much more of a, of a focus. The, 
the other positions, three, four, five might be less about off the dribble shooting, but it's still good that he's working on it because you need good pull-up shooters and the, the best stars in the NBA. Yep. Most of them are have, really good pull-up shooters. I have to have it. Um, exactly. And at the four, you know, it's more secondary or tertiary playmaking. They're also more of a connector. They can score if need be. And uh, they also improvise too. Like Obi is a great improviser. Julius is not as much, but his ability to make plays is really good. It's just oftentimes you can find him forcing it or throwing a, a live grenade to someone and then they have to make do with something like he's able to think at a higher level, but then his judgment gets clouded to the point where he might turn the ball over. So, but at least in terms of getting that at the the power forward position, or, you know, from a, from a big having someone who can play in that way is important. And then at the five, it's really simple. It's just a rim runner who can finish at the rim and uh, rebound, especially on the offensive end. Yeah. Typically I, I, offense. Typically hundred percent. I would say, you know, I'm not, this is not earth shattering news here in terms of the types. I think, and this goes back to, well, actually I would say the only like Tibbs true Tibbs trend throughout his entire career has been point guards. He likes point guards that can, that can drive the lane. Um, his backup point guards are often smaller guys who could like create, you know, do a, maybe a little bit more. Um, when quickly, which I think he said when quickly was drafted, he said like, Oh, he reminds me of a lot of the smaller guards we had back in Chicago. And you could throw, um, you know, uh, Tyus Jones in there from his days in Minnesota. In any case, definite type for the one with the Knicks, definite type for the five. I would say that you're, you're similar with the two, although not as much as the one or the five for me. I think the three or the four, like I, I wonder how much of like our idea of what a typical Knicks four man or even a typical Knicks three man does do or can do or should do is skewed by the fact that like the only, I'm pretty sure the, well, no, Mitch, the other, the only two players that have been here for the entire time have been Julius and RJ. And like, obviously Julius, once Tibbs arrived, you know, kind of gave the keys and and then that lasted into last season. So, um, but yeah, no, they definitely have a type by and large. Yeah. And I agree. The, the backcourt and the five are the easiest to identify solidly of what they like. It's, I don't want to say the jury's out on the three, four, because when you look at, Julius and you look at Obi and how there is that overlap. And then you look at RJ and cam and it's closer, not, not closer to Julius and Obi, but still close that it gives the impression that they kind of like these players in these roles. And outside of the five, which again, maybe we shouldn't even say we talked about this last week a lot with like, you know, they wanted Noel to hit corner threes and like Taj hit a billion corner threes towards the end. So putting that position aside specifically, they want guys to shoot. Like guys come in, you know, I, I'm pretty sure almost every player to a man has spoken in some way, shape or form about the Knicks, like told me to go home and, and work on my shooting this summer. You know, um, Julius obviously made a commitment to that two years ago and like up, up and down the roster, you could, you could see guys, um, you know, and look, they were what 10th and threes this year, something like that, which uh, it, they it was high. It, it was very high. I Might mean, it was even a, higher. But yeah, yeah that, it's but c- compared to where they were when um Tibbs got here specifically, uh it's it's night and day. They've made yeah. big, big leaps in that area. So that's I would say just a generalization we could probably make too. Exactly. So 
this is one thing that I wanted to show. And this was uh, from Jonathan Wasserman, which he did this for the last two years. It was really... I remember this from last year. Yes. (laughs) So there is a pull-up shooting chart that he has. And uh, Wasserman mapped out the pinpoints of where these players finish in terms of uh, the pull-up jumpers made per game and the pull-up shooting points per possession in the half court. And if you're watching this, uh, I have put a circle or I guess it's more of an oval around. It's, it's an oval. It's an oval around names Can that confirm. are relevant. And so there's a name that I'm not going to circle or oval. And that is uh, Max Asmus. It looks like Abmus, but it's pronounced Asmus. And the reason is because Max Asmus is a phenomenal pull-up shooter, like out of this world, but he's so small that he's not in the conversation of really any NBA buzz. And, and this was returned, this is last year, to be clear. This, this was last year, last but he year's did return class. to school. Ah, uh, okay. Right. So, Got it. Um, right. But if you're, if you're watching, uh, you will see that basically players who are towards the top right, which is where you want to be, um, it means, you know, you've got more pull-up jumpers made per game and you're converting them. It's players like uh, Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes. Two players the Knicks wound up drafting. As well as Chris Duarte, who's also within a little oval. Exactly, who the Knicks were very interested in acquiring. Yeah. You then have um, Trey Mann, right? He was Terrence someone, Mann. Terrence, Terrence Mann. Mann. Me. Yeah. Terrence Mann, right. Uh, Trey Mann plays for the Clippers. Uh, Terrence Mann, who Ian Begley reported the Knicks had interest in. You've got Kate Cunningham, who, of course, the Knicks would have absolutely taken first overall. And then another interesting name here is Buddy Beheim, obviously of the Syracuse fame. Uh, Beheim returned to school and then just past week, he worked out for the Knicks and two other teams and hit 71 of 83s. So he's a name just to keep in mind. I don't know if the Knicks will go with him or not, but you know, someone where if he were to do a more extensive workout, Maybe he's doing the Jazz 100. Walt Perrin's patented three-point shooting of hoisting up 100 threes and uh, after a, a heavy workout. But that's the region to keep in mind, specifically for guards. And you know, you're going to see other names that are here that they clearly passed on. But for some of these players, it might not matter as much. But if we go to this season, right? Uh, basically, there aren't a ton of lottery names that are really in that quadrant, right? Like you got Johnny Davis who hit a ton of pull-up jumpers, but he also took fewer. He made a lot, I should say, but the points per possession were maybe a little less than normal, but then it's really just guys who aren't going to be lottery names. Like there, there's some names below it, right? Like um, Branham, uh, Ty Ty Washington for sure. But then like, you see someone like Paolo Boncaro and the Knicks may not care as much. They're not going to get Paolo anyway, because he's going to go top three more on that later. But like if they were in the position, they might not really care because pull up jumpers might not be the thing that drives them for a player who can really master the four. Um, And there's some other names there too, that, that might be relevant, but it's kind of interesting to see that it's not, it's not a science. It's just looking at, overlap and what might be of interest and if that's an area they wanted to go if not there are obviously other extenuating factors there's the eye test so many other things but kind of something to keep in mind because it it's clearly something they like with the backcourt yeah and they're probably not going to be able to get it at 11 uh what johnny davis no i'm saying they're probably not going to get other than johnny davis they're probably not going to be able to get 
a, a big time pull up shooter at 11? Probably not. Yeah, that's fair. So offensive box minus box plus minus, excuse me. Um, I want to take a look at the last two years for this example. So if you look at the 2019, 2020 season, obviously cut short due to COVID uh, the number one player, actually the number one player, both the last two draft classes was Luca Garza, but um, some interesting names just for the 2020 season, Peyton Pritchard finished third in college. Obi Toppin finished fourth. Vernon Carey finished fifth. Um, Jalen Smith finished sixth. And, um, that's really in terms of like the top 10 names that are probably relevant for this. And then 2021, it's uh, Kispert finishing second. Then you have Chris Duarte finishing eighth and Quentin Grimes finishing 10th. So for starters, the two first round picks, I guess the two first first round picks that the Knicks made each year, um, technically speaking, I guess you could say that were yeah. top 10 guys. And then it's also interesting because a reason why the Knicks may have traded out of the 33rd pick in the this 2020 was, season. This was reported by Mark Berman. Yes, indeed. That Vernon Carey was the guy they're looking for. Carey was taken 32nd. That would certainly match up with interest. Uh, and then right, there's like, also a Peyton Pritchard rumor, if I recall. There was. Yes. And that, I mean, Pritchard, wasn't he? I believe he was on the board still when they managed to take quickly. I think he's taking I, 27th. Something like that. Uh, I'll I'll double check it, but I yeah. I remember there was reporting, I believe, from your own Weissman about there was also significant interest in in Pritchard, be, uh, potentially. Well, there was other connections too, but yeah, they were interested. They were definitely reported to have been interested in Pritchard, right? And now you might be thinking, well, they drafted other players. Yeah, again, it's not a science, but Deuce McBride had a really strong offensive box plus minus. It just wasn't top ten, so it's not showing. Um, quickly, really picked it up. In the second part of the season, he came off the bench for some time. The season was cut short, so it can be a little tricky to fully determine it, but I think it's relevant. And then when you look at this year, uh, there are three guys that stand out. Keegan Murray, who finished first. Um, Tari Eason, who finished third. And EJ Liddell, who finished sixth. And I also noted that each player is, I mean, not expected. They will be over the age of 20 years old on draft night. Very so, interesting. Again, it may not even be any of these three players. Like um, EJ isn't expected to go in the lottery. Uh, Keegan Murray is expected or projected maybe to go uh, top five, top seven. Maybe he slides. I don't know. Tari Eason, his range could fluctuate. It could be uh late lottery. It could be. Yeah. I've seen Eason. I round. feel like his teens is probably the most comfortable place to put Tari Eason at this point. Um, and then Murray, Murray's fast. So for anybody who's who's like listening to this and be like, I don't know who any of these people are. Um, there's a there's a definitive top three in this draft. Three guys who are kind of I don't know different versions of a of a four man for the modern game. And then you got Jaden Ivy, exciting kid out of Purdue, um, probably fourth securely. Although Shaden Sharp is coming for that coming for that fourth spot. Maybe we'll touch on him in a bit. Um, he's the kind of the mystery man of the draft who didn't play in Kentucky. And then there's Keegan Murray, but Keegan Murray, unlike Sharp, or maybe even unlike Ivy, and maybe even unlike some of the guys in the top three is viewed a lot of how the talk about him, not in terms of player type, but in terms of just the discussion about him reminds me a lot about the talk about Obi Toppin from two years mm -hmm. ago in terms of like, you know what you're getting. He's going to come in. He's going to contribute right away. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of a lower ceiling, but a definitive floor. And you're going to see that floor like, you know, from day one. 
Exactly. And I should add one of the things that gets left out of this discussion entirely um, players who are not in college, right? Like it's hard for us to use tracking data from college and incorporate Dyson Daniels or yeah. Usman Jiang or really any other international player, any sharp who's there's no data right, from anywhere. We're looking at EYBL and, and high school. So yeah. it's, it's not a science, but it's giving us as much intel looking at the past drafts and overlap that kind of work into play here. But do me, um, do me a favor, go back to the previous slide for just a half a second. Keegan Murray, because Keegan Murray was this year head and shoulders above everybody else in offensive box plus minus. The last two years, guys, Luca Garza had a decent lead, I guess, last season. But like you can go back to, to Murray now. I mean, it's not the gap. You know, it's it, it really does feel and the number 13, like that's a big number. It is. Um, so yeah, I don't three and a half points ahead of next best player who is uh Oscar Shibway Shibway and uh now like he was an older he's an older guy. Older he's guy, returning yeah. to Kentucky, just doesn't feel like he's ready for the draft. So and that's then, interesting. Yeah, so you know, could be an option for any team, really, but yeah. <laughs> 